Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails, done. Outfit, stunner. And my skin, I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of It Could Happen Here. Uh, once again, hosted by myself, Andrew, and also joined with... Garrison is here as well. And me, Mia, I'm, I'm also here. And uh, of the things that I've been thinking about lately, because uh, I've been reading a lot more fiction, um, a lot of things in the sort of sci-fi sphere, particularly, um, some Octavia Butler, um, some Oric, well, some Margaret Atwood. I recently read Oryx and Creek. Um, and I've just been thinking about a lot of these concepts that are presented in stories, um, in sci-fi. Um, and what is more sci-fi than the idea of computers, that sort of digital space? And what has, you know, become of the digital world um, as of late, as you know, and really since its inception as capitalism has sort of chopped it up and privatized it and sequestered it and monopolized it. as I think it, it really um, goes against what the principles of the internet should be uh, in terms of how it is run, how it is structured, how it is organized, because the internet as a concept really brings together um, a variety of people, a variety of spaces and backgrounds and intersections. And I believe it should be a place of sharing, a place of collaboration, particularly since the sort of resources that might be um, limited uh, in the physical world are far more abundant in the digital world. Um, 
I'm thinking in terms of like educational resources and otherwise. Of course, there are, you know, infrastructural limitations, but on the cloud, you know, um, in cyberspace, and I cringe saying that um, because it makes me feel like a boomer. um, (laughs) You know, they have the ability to freely and easily copy and share and paste wherever and whenever uh, basically without many limitations. Um, and instead of really seizing that for what it could be, you know, we've, we've turned it into this sort of, um, like corporate feudalism, um, where all these, uh, digital mega corporations, these social media giants basically, have carved up the internet into their own little, you know, fiefdoms and dominated um, the discourse, you know, dominated how we communicate with each other, how we tend to communicate with each other, at least in the mainstream side of the internet, what has become the mainstream of the internet, what most people think of when they think of the internet. Um, but I'm not a big fan of that idea of the internet, that perception, that conception of the internet. In fact, um, as is something that I have been thinking about and developing and discussing for the past couple of months uh, and researching for the past couple of months, I really think that among all the other things that I've discussed uh, are necessary components uh, in developing the commons, in creating and reestablishing the commons, I think digital commons will be just as important because the commons uh, the rather the enclosure of the commons is what really kicked off the establishment of capitalism. I believe the re-establishment of the commons will be required uh, in that transition away from capitalism towards a more collective, more communal, um, more sustainable way of life. For those who, um, I guess, just tuning in this is perhaps your first uh, episode um, with me at least, or perhaps you've never seen any of the videos on my channel. Um, I'll take a moment to, you know, explain what exactly the commons are. The commons refer to the resources accessible to all members of a society, the totality of the material riches of that part of the world, of that world regarded as the inheritance of humanity as a whole, something to be shared together. The commons are something that are based on common pool resources or CPRs, which is any natural or man-made system that is organized to benefit a group of people, but would provide diminished benefits to everyone if each person pursued their own self-interest. And of course, these resource systems, like I said, could be natural or man-made. So they could be forests, uh, you know, traditionally, there were things like forests and irrigation canals and fisheries and pastures and groundwater basins. Um, but I think it's, it can be expanded even further. I mean, there are things like uh, energy infrastructure, you know, like windmills, wind turbines, or as um going to describe different portions of the internet, uh, different resource systems within the internet. And of course, the internet as a whole, I believe all of those things can um can be uh, brought under the commons. Um, And of course, 
the commons, the theory of the commons, history of the commons is its own uh, lengthy discussion. Of course, you could read about it in Governing the Commons by Eleanor Ostrom. Or you could listen to a sort of a condensed version of that in my video on my channel on the commons as an institution. But when it comes to, you know, information and communication technologies, when it comes to ICTs and sort of applying that commons idea to ICTs, I like to think about it in terms of these sort of digital communities, bringing together people who share, you know, common goals to collaboratively build and share those resources through technology. So I would say that digital commons are or can be, are and can be, because I think some of them already exist uh, in some form, but they are basically these online creation communities where, you know, there's a free flow um, and free access to and free collaboration, um, you know, the sharing of this non-exclusive digital information and the collective creation of like knowledge resources. These resources, of course, being owned and used freely between or among the community and also available for use by third parties. So and instead of being exchanged as commodities, you know, these resources are used and reused and reused without uh, artificial restrictions to sort of enforce an artificial scarcity. Um, I just actually thought of a really funny example that I hadn't initially um, conceived of in my sort of guideline for this episode. I don't know if you're all familiar with Martin Scorsese's Goncharov. No. Okay, so in 1973, Martin Scorsese developed this film uh, called Goncharov. It's a historical epic um, a sort of a post-war era mafia movie. And it was directed by Scorsese and it starred Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Gene Hackman. It had a sort of a deep homoeroticism blended with a, a sort of exploration of, of male aggression. It's a sort of a look at the relationship between Goncharov, who is a Russian mafia boss, and... Uh, his partner slash rival slash old friend, Andre, who I believe was supposed to be uh, an Italian mafia boss. But the thing about Goncharov, and I mean, you can find posters about it. You can find fan art of it. You can find many, many, many fan fictions about it. Um, but Goncharov is not a real movie. It does not exist Everything I described is entirely fake. The litany of colorful side characters that, you know, people have developed for this movie, the hundreds of fan fictions, the dozens of meta-analyses and pieces of fan art people have, you know, generated for this movie. The movie itself does not exist. The movie only exists in the um, collective um, co-creation of it that took place um, over Tumblr, of all places. Essentially, a couple of Tumblr users basically came up with this idea of this lost Martin Scorsese film that 
everybody has seemingly forgotten and they would rave about it and they would come up with fake plot points and fake characters. And before you know it, you know, it's sort of like this massive internet phenomenon, this sort of inside joke, internet inside joke. Um, more and more people started building on top of it and respecting what came before. Um, and that sort of spirit of co-creation is what ended up creating this gone, this tale of Gonshiro, this Gonshiro fandom, this whole development of Gonshiro as a character, of the side characters as, you know, fully developed characters. And it all started because, you know, one user said to another, like, oh, don't you know the movie Gonsharov? It's only the greatest mafia movie ever made. Uh, and that tagline, the greatest mafia movie ever made, would be built upon uh, with further photoshops and embellishments and developments. And um, there's now like a really comprehensive document of Gonsharov law. Um, things are added in jest, things are added in complete seriousness, but it's just a thing that exists. It's a thing that I believe... Um, it's just one manifestation of many of what the internet has the capacity to produce when online creation communities are allowed to operate freely um, and develop their own sort of common creative um, resources. I think other examples of, I guess, the the seeds of what I'm talking about can be seen in, um, I guess, like role play um servers and roleplay communities, roleplay message boards. I think some fandoms also have some of the seeds of what I'm talking about. Of course, the Minecraft community with everything they've created, modding communities across different games. They all sort of uh, are manifestations of, you know, human desire to create and human desire to share um, without, you know, the artificial restrictions and boundaries of, um, of, mainstream capitalist uh, imagination. I think another manifestation of the digital commons, in a sense, uh, can be found in resources like Z Library um, and a few others that I'm afraid of naming in case, you know, they get <laughs> taken down as well. Yeah. Um, and I've, I mean, that's really the sad part of Z Library's loss. I mean, I, I haven't really been feeling that loss because... I am aware of the alternatives, um, but it's a loss nonetheless because of the way the library was formatted. It was a bit more accessible to a lot of people, a lot more people were aware of it and stuff. Um, but Z Library, and I'm glad that it's called a library. It's called Z Library. Uh, it's just, you know, one manifestation of the, um, the roots of the library as a concept and how it can manifest um, in the digital space, how the commons through the, uh, I guess the conception of the library can manifest in a, uh, in a digital space. I mean, even, you know, mainstream ones we have like, uh, we have, we have stuff like archive.org and I know archive.org is trying to launch something to host a whole bunch of scientific journals and other articles that are harder to access as well. But I mean, they already host, you know, a quite impressive plethora of copyrighted books. Um, me and, and Robert have gotten into arguments on twitter.com with many an author who is mad <laughs> about their book being on archive dot, uh, archive.org. Um, and <laughs> so that is, you know, there is, 
there is there is m- many resources if you know where to look, but sadly some are some some are no longer with us, and people have been have been uh, punished by the state for trying to provide open access to information. Yeah, and I mean, who controls information, right? Well, however the saying goes. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You're probably careful with your personal information, but what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back. With plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I think another, uh, as you mentioned, Archive I think another example of that sort of collaborative information sharing can be seen in, of course, Wikipedia, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. As personal computers and the internet became more and more accessible, the lower the barriers of expression and stuff, um, this... Internet culture, as it was initially 
born, it was one with the aim of, you know, collaboratively creating cultural content, developing and generating, you know, universal access to knowledge. You know, Wikipedia is just one example. There are, of course, different wikis, plural, um, but of course, no longer called wikis. I think it's called fandom.org or something now. Yes, Um, unfortunately, fandom bought a whole bunch of... uh, 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 different wiki sites that were independently yeah. operated over the course of the past 20 years and then they kind of co- uh, consolidated under the the big fandom company. Yeah, and now like half of them are unusable because of ads and stuff. Yeah, Which, it, yeah. Is, it, yeah. Is, it is it is it's pr- it's pretty rough to scroll a fandom site. It's yeah. uh, not not the easiest <laughs> thing. But I will say as a youth with few regulations in my access to the internet. It was actually quite nice to be able to go on to fandom and just like, well, I was, you know, around when it was still wiki, um, but, you know, go on like Marvel wiki or go on DC wiki and read up on all the different characters I was into at the time. Oh yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, I used to go on like power listing wiki and like come up with characters, you know, based on certain superpowers um, and I also created my own wiki for my own, like, made-up uh, sort of world-building project. Um, and just the fact that, that a resource was available, you know, the, the tools were easy, were free to access. Um, and that easy to understand as well. Um, and, of course, there were always tutorials and stuff available if you didn't know how to function and how to do certain things. Um, just that... that that um, accessibility um, and freedom uh, is something that I think is still exists, you know, in some sense, despite, you know, this company buying out everything. Uh, And I appreciate the fact that, you know, unlike, you know, that company, Wikipedia is in the main, the OG Wikipedia continues to maintain their steadfast anti-ad, you know, standing um, and continues to, you know, um, run on, I guess, crowdsourced donations. Just just today, as of the day that we're uh, recording, uh, peep, a whole a whole bunch of uh, the the right wingers that have coalesced around uh, Musk after his purchase of Twitter have gotten mad at Wikipedia uh, for not for <laughs> they've. They've gotten mad that Wikipedia wasn't was wasn't reposting their fake Twitter files drama thing um, as glowingly as some of them might like, and they're complaining about Wikipedia's left wing bias. And a whole bunch of these Musk fanboys are talking about being like, "Hey, Elon Musk should buy Wikipedia and fix Wikipedia's left wing bias." And I, this, there's this one, this this one guy who was like, um, "I wonder how much Wikipedia would cost to, to buy at Elon Musk." And then the the uh, the founder of Wikipedia is like, "Absolutely not. This is not for sale. <laughs> we 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 are not letting Elon Musk buy Wikipedia." Yeah, I mean, if if conservatives really want um, a platform that badly, there's always conservative media, or whatever <laughs> it's called. Um, there's always encyclopedia if they want to get really wacky. Um, but yeah, Wikipedia is just going to continue being Wikipedia, thankfully. Um, I appreciate the rabbit holes it has led me through. I appreciate the Wikipedia games that I've been able to play. You know, like, you have to go from one page to another. Uh, you know, that kind of... 
degrees of um, pages, how you link two different, completely different topics. But yeah, zero advertising, accessible to all, uh, many different languages. Of course, you know, it's not completely flawless. There are certain um, very contentious articles, of course. Um, well, there always be attempts to hijack that um, those pages um, for the purpose of propaganda. Uh, of course, every article has its bias. Um, but by and large, because of you know, the collaborative nature of the project, there have been ways to mitigate bad actors and respond to um, those sorts of attempts at corruption and cooptation. So, you know, it goes to show that, you know, even something as I would say decentrally organized as Wikipedia um, is still able to regulate itself collaboratively. Yeah, I think around this time last year here on the show, we interviewed somebody from Wikimedia um, specifically talking about how the talking about the, the regional differences of the Wikipedias that are in different countries and in different regions, and how that impacts access, access to information and how people in their own communities can work towards providing uh, a fuller, better uh, picture of the types of information that people are getting. Um, and the, the great part about it is that it really does put the power into anyone's hands. It's not, it's, it's not gatekept the same way a lot of other information uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of it really. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. 
Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I think another uh, prominent case of information sharing, or rather file sharing, and just sort of that peer-to-peer architecture, we found in really um, the pirating community, quote-unquote. You know, there's facilities, access, and the exchange of cultural products that might otherwise be lost, you know, as we're seeing with a lot of these shows being axed and, you know, people's hard-earned, um, you know, hard people who, you know, really worked hard on certain projects and stuff, these companies with their, you know, tax dodging schemes and whatever, are able to basically sweep all that aside. Um, and so the fact that um, we are able to preserve, and of course, in films and video uh, and TV shows being taken down by certain streaming services and not even being able to be found um, easily uh, physically, um, you know, having these files and stuff just accessible online, um, shared between peers is, is really great to see. Um, and it really allows for the preservation of things that might otherwise be lost. And of course, there's also, as another example of a sort of digital commons, um, the idea of open source or really the free software movement, which is a social movement, um, aimed at attaining and guaranteeing certain freedoms for software users, you know, to run the software, to study software, to modify software and to share copies of that software, whether modified or not. Um, The philosophy of this free software movement is really this idea that computer use should not lead to people being prevented from cooperating with other. In fact, it should be the opposite. It should be allowing people to cooperate with each other. Um, So things like, you know, rejecting, um, restrictions on software, promoting free software and liberating uh, people who use technology, use, you know, computers. It's really what, you know, the free software movement is trying to do. Um, one of the founders of the movement, a guy named Stolman, he had said that the idea of the free software movement is that, you know, by allowing free access to uh, software, it allows, it promotes rather than hinders the progression of technology because it means that much of the wasteful duplication of system programming effort can be avoided, you know, uh, that effort could instead go into advancing uh, different projects. So you open source and, you know, free software movement, whatever you want to call it, it's, although I know there's some people who make a, a distinction, um, it is, I would believe, uh, I would think a, a manifestation of you know, digital commons, People are able to self-organize, um, freely associate, and really just allowing people to, you know, get their hands on some software to create, to run, to redistribute, to change their software, to look, to pick apart and learn from certain code. Um, I really just allow people to continue to create and share. And the sort of culture um, that open source that free software creates is one of, you know, courtesy. It's one of collaboration, of helping one another to contribute to a greater whole, um, to sort of regulate each other, to monitor activity that might jeopardize um, the project. 
I know we see the benefits of that. You know, a lot of the most recognizable high traffic open software projects are stable, you know, they're secure and they're very thoroughly understood by the people who collaborate to create them um, compared to a lot of the more closed and proprietary projects that are not as accessible, um, not as open to scrutiny and study. So it is, I think, a, a, in a sense, a, a form of, of anarchy and um, of people governing themselves and cooperating to create a whole greater than any individual could create alone. Um, and speaking of, you know, people, I guess, coming together and communicating and collaborating, um, it's this sense that, I guess, people have been discussing a lot lately of uh, the digital public square. And Twitter seems is usually at the center of that conversation, this idea that, oh, we have this space that, um, you know, that shouldn't be privatized, it shouldn't, um, that should be freely accessed so that everyone can communicate without, you know, restriction and, and you have the free speech people within that. And I honestly question the value of Twitter uh, pretty much every day. Uh, you know, obviously some good has come out of it. Um, and really other sort of quote-unquote digital public squares, like any sort of mainstream social media, uh, some good, you know, comes out of them. You know, you meet people, you, you're able to work on projects, able to meet like-minded folks. And all that is, is good. But also a lot of, you know, terrible, terrible things uh, have come out of these platforms and continue to every single day. Um, and so it's, it's a mixed bag, but I think any sort of digital commons project will need a space. Um, and how that space is conceived would, of course, need to be unmoored from, um, you know, capitalist imagination um, that the, and that whole, um, you know, attention economy, rage economy that aims to keep us divided and button heads. But I do think there will need, be, there will need to be a space for communication across boundaries, across regions around the world easily. Last thing I really wanted to touch on on this topic is really the sort of the overlap between the idea of digital commons and degrowth. So, you know, both sort of uh, question that sort of mainstream idea of consumption, um, digital commons, you know, they promote this, this idea of someone who both consumes and produces, consumes value in the digital space, but also adds to that value. Um, that doesn't commodify um, the resources available in the digital space, but rather, you know, makes it accessible and adds to it, con contributes to it. And that sort of idea of open access, really something that degrowth also tries to emphasize, you know, even though we're trying to scale within planetary limits, we still want, you know, a good life for all. We, we still want people to be able to collaborate and create, um, and in fact, be more free to do so without limitations that, the growth-oriented capitalist economy imposes on us. The idea, of course, digital commons also brings the means of production in the digital sphere under the control of the communities who use it, who use that resource, who use that service, in complete contrast to the capitalist aim of keeping them privately held and aiming to serve profit. Digital commons and degrowth um, both emphasize access 
this information, to knowledge, to resources as part of our human heritage, as part of our human right. The commons should be something that is openly available rather than restricted, commodified, privatized. Of course, unlike traditional commons, um, you know, digital commons are not easily exhaustible, not really exhaustible. Um, they're not subject to many of the limitations that physical commons would have. But at the same time, you know, they depend on a certain infrastructure, an infrastructure um, that relies on, uh, you know, energy. And that energy has to come from somewhere. Being able to access the internet requires um, certain tools, certain technologies, computers, phones, whatever. Um, and the resources required to create those technologies has to come from somewhere. Um, the cables in the oceans, the satellites and space, uh, you know, the electricity for the computers, the materials for the phones and the computers, uh, all of those things um, consume and contribute to the exhaustion of environmental resources. And so balancing that and being cognizant of environmental impact will still have to be a central component in, you know, any development of the digital commons. At the end of the day, I believe that um, humans are sort of pre-programmed to create and to collaborate with each other. Um, and I think digital commons are one way in which we can do that. Uh, and I really appreciated um, the way that you know, different writers and thinkers on the subject have um, sort of explored those ideas. Of course, I, I drew uh, a bit from one particular author, Mayo Foster, Morel, um, and their exploration of the idea. But there's a lot available uh, if you're interested in covering the topic in more depth. And of course, same goes for um, the comments in general. There are a lot of different resources out there. Um, Eleanor Ostrom's work is a great place to start. And I really think it's important that we do um, get these conversations rolling um, in the mainstream, in the background in every corner and every space because we stand to benefit a lot from it and um, we honestly really need it in a time like this. That's it from me for this episode. You can follow me on YouTube at Andrewism, uh, on Twitter at underscore St. True and on Patreon. You can support me if you'd like at patreon.com slash St. True. Yeah, and you can find It Could Happen Here on Twitter and Instagram. Apparently, we have a, the Cool Zone is a TikTok, a thing that do I we, learned. Do we officially have one? I thought we, I don't know. I, 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 okay, I was well, told if we, that we did. Who knows? We may or may not have a TikTok. You'll never but, know. By early January, we definitely will, because we have something special planned. Um, but yes, Twitter, at least Twitter and Instagram at, at Happen Here Pod and Cool Zone Media. Still on, we are... Despite despite the digital town square collapsing, we are holding out in the in the dystopian ruins of of Twitter. Um, so yeah. Anyway, it could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails done, outfit stunner, and my skin. I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.